It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I've had many nicknames over the years. One of them is Smash, Brett Smash. <laughs> and while it's a fun nickname I enjoy, it was born out of the fact that I have known to be a little temporary. And uh, we're just in the process of updating our question of the day, Loren, to talk about anger. Hey, listen, I was once called Red Storm for a couple of years, so I'm not I'm not here to judge at all. And, you know, we're going to talk a bit about anger and frustration today because, and make it our question of the day because, you know, we've been hearing a lot of stories, and whether it's anecdotally or even in some of the headlines, just about what people are feeling right now. And, you know, the comments that they see a lot of bad behavior out there or road rage is on the rise in various cities. If you even just Google frustration and anger on the rise, you'll see headlines from all over the world where, you know, last year... Americans were turning to curse words more, swear words more, right, to deal with some of their frustrations. And so we're going to talk today later at 737 with a counselor who does anger management classes in Winnipeg about this idea of anger. Is it on the rise? What are they seeing? And uh, what can you do about it? Because it's one thing to joke around and say, yeah, I've got a bit of a temper once in a while. I Brett smash or red storm or whatever. Or is it something where you're like, wow, on a really daily basis, I'm having to like put myself in the corner you know, to walk away or try to manage what I'm feeling because I don't know how to control the anger I'm feeling. And so we'd love to hear from listeners, not just about what they are experiencing themselves, Greg, but what they see around them. Because I think a lot of us really do feel these days we're just seeing people behaving badly. As a college basketball fan, I'm still distracted by the fact that your nickname was once upon a time Red Storm, St. John's University in the Big East. They're the Red Storm. And so I've been going down a rabbit hole with that, Loren, but I agree. And we had this conversation off air over the last several days. And I think there is more anger. There is maybe a more willingness, if I reframe this a little bit differently, more of a willingness to voice that anger, whether it be on social media, whether it be face-to-face with people that we know, or with total strangers in traffic in particular. I know that's where a lot of vitriol, a lot of anger, a lot of disdain comes out, Brett, uh, whether it's honking or other aggressive behavior. And of course, uh, that magic middle finger is supposed to convey a certain certain displeasure with other drivers see a lot more of that now than I, than I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I used to have terrible road rage, and I still find myself screaming or or shouting in my car. I'll be sitting behind my wheel just yelling, drive, just drive, drive your car. But uh, the, the, the act of giving people the finger or opening my window to shout at them, uh, that those days, at least, at least those days are gone. Yesterday afternoon, I'm doing some work and my phone rings and it's from one of my very good friends. I won't say who it was, fairly well known in the city. And he starts yelling at me about the traffic. I'm stuck in traffic. I don't know which way to go. <laughs> Help me <laughs> navigate. I've been stuck in this traffic. And he's yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's better than yelling at the car beside you. But yeah, yesterday... And over the summer, Loren, lots of people extremely frustrated, not even necessarily with other drivers, but just how long it takes to get from point A to point B because of all this construction. We had a listener last week, Brett, and uh, two 
text us if you can give us a bit more detail. But she was telling us it was taking her so long to get through St. Vital because there's not a single way to turn that doesn't have construction on it that she was doubling her commute time, right? So from 40 to, I think she said, 90 minutes. So that at one point last week, she tried just going out to the perimeter and around and going all the way around the other way. And it actually cut her time in half. Took her took her, you know, many more kilometers out of the way, but she did a whole extra route she was sharing with us because she was like, that's it. I just can't stand sitting in traffic. So it might be road rage. It might be things you're seeing at work. Give us your experiences, 780-6868. And then, like I said, at 737, we're going to talk to a counselor. And it's not that he's necessarily seeing more anger. It's that from what he understands and believes he's, is that people are recognizing that they need to deal with it. And so they're just, they are seeing more people put up their hand and saying, please help me. I don't want to feel this way. Okay. Well, that's healthy. Um, but actually, and, and I'm glad you brought up that uh, sort of long way around story, because that reminds me that last Monday when Greg and I participated in the cardiac classic for the St. Boniface hospital foundation at Nyakwa country club, that getting there was a breeze in the because uh, I got left at like 9 30, 10 o'clock. So traffic's not super heavy. But when I left just before six, so my options to get to Osborne Village are hang a left on Furmore and go all the way up to Dunkirk and then Osborne. That was the way that I elected to go, but the traffic was backed up to the Y. So I just did a U turn and, and then took a left on St. Mary's. <laughs> And then I hit the tra- the traffic going northbound, the construction traffic there. So I bailed out into St. Boniface and ended up on Desmurons and thought, okay, I'll hang a left on Goulet. But there was no left turn on Goulet. So I ended up on Provence. Des- <laughs> That's a long way around. Yeah. So it yeah. took me like 50 minutes to get home, and whereas it took me 15 in the morning to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, there must be that listener situation because it's when you're going... Uh, back towards the downtown, right? Yeah. And you just encounter all this nonsense. And I remember in the spring when this first all opened up, I was, I was, la- I was almost laughable, like about how often you would turn a corner and you would think there's no way this side street is going to have, like I'll be able to get down this side street. And it literally felt like they played a game and said, let's just put some, a sign up on every street in this neighborhood just to, just to mind, you know, <laughs> well, my, mess with your mind. My buddy bailed on Osborne southbound yesterday. He says, I think I'm going to take Churchill Drive. I said, don't do that. I said, there's construction on the St. Patel Bridge. And all around, the, is it the, uh, uh, which club is that? The uh, uh, They've got the golf center there near Kingston Row. Canoe oh, Club. Canoe Club, yeah. Canoe Club. I said, that's all blocked off there, man. You're never going to get through there. And he says, Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> so the, even the shortcuts don't work right now. So our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. There's a perception we are seeing more frustration, bad behavior, and anger these days. Do you know someone you think could use anger management? Your options are yes, me. Yes, someone I know, or no. Cast your vote, cjob.com, and we'll have more with and anger management counselor at 7.35. The Start on 680-CJOB. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Want to share a story with you here that we'll then use as a springboard for our fun topic for this morning. There was some fierce competition at a spelling bee in the tiny town of Barney's River Station. 
in Nova Scotia this past weekend. A 98-year-old was determined to defend her title. Here's a piece of the story from Global Shelley Steves. Stepping back into this one-room schoolhouse for Adele Keys was like walking back in time. Brings back lots of memories. And it was also a truly spellbinding experience. The 98-year-old who attended Barney's River Station School, built before Confederation, was here for a historic moment of her own. I've been hearing about her spelling bee when in 1936, forever. So this year, I said to her, it's time you defended that title. Set to turn 99 at the end of this year, Adele still recalls the word that won her the title 87 years ago. T-H-L-E-G-M. Now you can see the full story at globalnews.ca. She did go on to defend that title. Really cool stuff. But it just got me thinking, like, have you ever watched the Scripps Spelling Bee? It's exciting. Like, I, and I, I went through my digital hoard here. I found this clip from 2007 from uh, an Edmonton student named Nate Gartke, who was competing in that script's spelling bee. Coriza. C-H-O-R-Y-Z-A. Coriza. Coriza <laughs> is C-O-R-Y-Z-A. The drama, the hush, and the crowd. Oh, oh no. But yeah, when I first watched that, I was, I can't believe how hooked I was and how angry I was when they, because it was on ABC and I guess it went long and then the simulcast kicked in and cut it off. No. So I didn't get to finish watching it. I was livid. It was incensed. I've always been fascinated by the fact that they use the little bell, the cheery bell to tell you that you've got the word wrong. Yeah. As opposed to an obnoxious horn or something. Ding. Should be a buzzer, you'd think, right? Like, eh, yeah. like you're wrong. Yeah. But, eh, you know, there's some politeness there, I suppose. <laughs> what is that word anyway? Does anyone know? Coriza? What was it? Coriza. What's the origin? <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? Language of origin. Yeah. It's inflammation of the mucous membranes in the nose. <laughs> of course. Oh. Caused well, especially by a cold. I would have. Oh, I, 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 I thought he was. I thought it was chorizo or whatever that sausage was. Yeah. <laughs> chorizo. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought it was about. Now that you tell me what it is, now I'm totally going to spell it differently because I know that it's a part of the body. Now that changes everything. <laughs> but it got. So the question is, what's something that you were surprised? At how exciting it was, like something that maybe you just happened to stumble upon, whether it's a competition or a game or just a television show uh, like Young and the Restless. My mom got me hooked on that show, and I can't believe I'd be yelling at the TV. How is Nikki crying again? Just stop drinking the vodka, Nikki. <laughs> just stop. So 204-780-6868, let's go around the horn. Uh, Poitras, why don't you start us off? Well, now that you mentioned Young and the Restless, I was going to talk about F1, how it was interesting for about a year and a half, and then it got really dull because now Max Verstappen is just running over it. Uh, but I'll go with 90 Day Fiance. I am deep into the universe. Uh, me and my wife watch it all the time. It is absolute trash, but I cannot stop watching it. It is fan-freaking-tastic. I love it. I thought that was the one. Yeah. I was trying no, to remember. It's, 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 it's all the other stuff. It's the other way. It's before the 90 days. There's now uh, the like 90 days uh, therapy sessions in like Key West. And they got the characters and they put the biggest clowns together. It's, it's awesome. And what's that on? 
Uh, TLC. TLC? Of course. TLC. All right. Sarah, what about you? <laughs> the uh, Learning Channel, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no, learned a lot about no. humanity watching 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> now it's the Reality Trash Channel, yes. Uh, mine is Lawn Bowling. Went ah. with my grandparents and actually quite fun in uh, Southern Ontario. They get quite into it, but um, it's not like, ugh. like I'm not trying to knock bowling or lawn bowling, but they're not the most exciting unless you have a good group of people with you. I think that's what makes it fun. So I quite enjoyed it. I always wanted to try lawn bowling. Yeah, it's good. It looks especially like, because I've seen some, there's a, I seem to think there's a place on Grosvenor. Oh, okay. That has a lawn bowling Area and it looks so neatly okay. groomed and. There's one on uh, Wolseley. At least there was when I was growing up in right. Wolseley. And then the one at the Kildonan Park. They've what's the saying in uh, agricultural uh, language, Loren? When you let the let the field or the or the area land, yeah, they let it go to whatever go to, to seed. That's <laughs> yeah, they are not grooming it anymore. It's Aww. very sad to see. That's too bad. Hey, Loren, what about you? Okay, I don't know if this audio will work, but bear with me. I want to dance with you at the Pan Pacifics. Does anyone know that? A film from 1992? Mm -hmm. I was shocked how into this I was back then. And just yesterday, went looking for how I could watch this. If you had told me I'd ever watch a movie about ballroom dancing, like (laughs) at least 35 times, I would have told you to slap me in the face. And all through university, this movie got watched in the House of Roommates over and over and over again. And there's something about ballroom dancing that I don't do, don't know how to do. But if you give a script that has just a touch of romance in it, I am there for it. So I, I will watch ballroom dancing weirdly. What is Movies this movie? What's it called? Oh, yeah, it's on. called Strictly Ballroom. Oh, Jeez. It's an Australian <laughs> film. I think Baz Luhrmann was the uh, guy behind it. Um, oh, but it's wow. excellent. It's excellent. You got to watch it. I don't know where to watch it. I couldn't figure out how to find it again. I'm going to probably have to go to yes. some sort of old video store. But there's a movie about ballroom dancing and love, of course. And it's I, I, easily 50 times it was watched. Oh, wow. There's a tease and a hook, and then there's like, come on, McNabb, tell us the it name of the movie Aust- already. A, a 1992 Australian romantic comedy. Yeah, co-written by Baz Luhrmann, yeah. Yeah, you'll love it. Go for it. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got we'll the see. weirdest characters in it. It's wonderful. I'll put it, I'll put it on the list. It looks like it's going to be far down there, though. I'm just looking at, there's an app called Just Watch that tells right. you where you can find things. And the only thing they've got is uh, it's available in standard definition on something called <laughs> Hoopla. <laughs> see, I think my odds are low that I'm ever going to get to see this. Stri- <laughs> yeah, Strictly Ballroom won Best Film at the 34th <laughs> Annual Australian Film Institute Awards. So there it you must go. be good. Uh, yeah, Australians yeah. love it. It's an I'm, award-winning film. I'm surprised on that app it doesn't say dig around in your old VHS tapes. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, that's probably the only place you're going to find it. Forte, what about you? I actually find it quite interesting. When I go to a buddy's place, like I don't just sit at home and watch this, but when they start playing video games... And, like, they get straight into it. And I also get into it. It's like, you got to make that jump. You got to get past that guy. You got to kill that guy. It's just like, you get really intense in, into it. But uh, I also, I'm also a little bit of a smack talker. So if I have, like, two friends playing, like, NHL, you know, I kind of uh, smack talk and try to get them mad at each other. And, uh, <laughs> While watch, they're playing. Well, yeah, watch their anger get up. Uh, I, I find that very entertaining. Good call. <laughs> well, and, hey, that's a huge business now, watching people 
Play PewDiePie video games. or whatever his name is. Yeah. Like one of the mm-hmm. most watched YouTubers. It's just he's not even one of the, he's not even one of the biggest ones anymore. Anymore. Okay, no. I'm old. Yeah. So I but I don't know who it is, but I know that there's the ones that are way bigger than like millions of people watching somebody else play video games on YouTube. Think about that as a waste of time. I don't filling a math. I don't get it. For competitive totally e-gaming. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. So 204-780-6868. Something that sucked you in, that you can't believe how exciting you found it for a chance to win a pair of fall fair passes at Red River Exhibition Park. We'll pick a winner at 9.15, Global News at 7, and then more on some Ukrainian newcomers looking to get into a surging popularity game next on CJOB. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up, Loren, after Global News at 7.30. We're getting angry. I'm getting angry right now at my computer. Sorry, speaking of something, I'm trying to pull in a script, and I'm like, where is the script? And I got it in the wrong area. So, yes, we're going to talk anger because, you know, there's been headlines about frustration in the workplace being on the rise. Uh, talk about road rage potentially being on the rise in different cities. And, of course, many of you have commented, yeah, we're think- we- you think you're seeing more of it out there. Well, what's going on? We're going to speak to a guy who runs anger management sessions uh, at 7.37. And then a bit later on this morning, Greg, at 9.05, we are going to tee up something we will be at tomorrow morning. Manitoba Open, of course, Southwood Golf and Country Club. We will be there tomorrow. We will be there Friday. And so will Morgan Barron of the Winnipeg Jets. I know you've been hearing some clips of him and his conversation with Kelly Moore and the rest of the media yesterday following his practice round. But we'll uh, dig deeper into not only Morgan Barron, what a great guy he is, but also the history of the Winnipeg Jets and golf, you know. Hockey players have to be good at hockey to obviously be in the NHL, but do they also have to be so damn good at golf? Most of them seem to be really good at it. Morgan Barron, no exception to that. Uh, I won't say it's a rule, Brett, but it's certainly very common. All right, so that's coming up at 9.05. In the meantime, at 6.15, we were telling you how football registration is way up, Loren. Yeah, and the success of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think, is no doubt helping just bring more love and awareness to the game. There's also a widespread diversity that's happening with the sport. And, of course, costs might help. Uh, Tegan Rasha explained in her story how some of the football clubs work really hard to provide equipment. And yesterday we were telling you how 525 helmets have been donated to teams right around the province. These helmets are very expensive, and we were able to do this through the uh, working with the province in the uh, arts and sports uh, culture grant uh, which matched uh, what we put up to uh, to purchase these helmets to make sure kids are playing football safely so now we want to tell you this morning that was wade miller on the start yesterday this morning we want to talk about where some of those helmets are going and particularly some of the new canadians that are going to be wearing them and trying the game and so we're pleased to bring on this morning Dove Co- doug kovacs head coach of grant park hi good morning doug Good morning. How is everybody? I'm wonderful. Thank you. And before we get going, I didn't. I never played football or had kids in football. I just watch a lot. So what is the general cost of a helmet? Oh, um, it can vary quite a bit, but the Bombers really put a really high-quality helmet on these kids. So it's about 750 bucks per helmet. 
Yeah, you most would argue, Coach, that uh, the helmet is the most important piece of equipment, but it's not the only equipment, the pants, the shoulder pads. Uh, I know even at my boys' school that for some of the kids that are unable to come up with the money for football shoes, those will even be provided. So just talk about how accessible football is uh, for members of the community. And and it, it to me, it, it's mind-blowing the way that uh, Manitoba high schools and the, the different organizations uh, go, the lengths to which they go, to make sure that everybody who wants to play can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, kids are wearing close to $1,500 worth of gear in some instances, just depending on the positions they play. Uh, my Grand Park High School, we've always had a uh, recycling program where kids donate their old shoes, you know, if they've been gently used. Um, we've kept the cost very low. And programs like this, like Wade Miller providing uh, the helmets with Obicon, uh, has really helped out the program here because, you know, we can really keep costs down. Um, Wade Miller's done a great job. They've donated footballs for the league so i mean it's made it very easy for kids to play and um we have gone out and uh, brought in as many kids as we can at grant park we got two football teams but uh with the influx of kids that we're seeing coming from the ukraine and the refugees um, we've uh, been helping those kids come out and climb it to school and play football at grant park so yeah, tell us a bit more about that because I'm curious to know what like what is their knowledge of the game? Oh, uh, most of them haven't seen um, football before. They've seen a little bit on YouTube maybe, but obviously not a sport inherent to the area they're coming from. Um, but um, once they get out there, you know, they're just kids and they look at their other kids that are playing and, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a language barrier but football also has its own unique language right so i mean they're learning to speak the same language as well so um but you know once they get out there after one or two practices they, they fit right in you know um kids are kids they'll learn and they'll soak it up as long as they're having fun and uh, they bring out more friends so what we had was um last year was quite a few ukrainian refugees uh placed in the winnipeg school division and we had about 30 of them at Grand Park High School at first, and then another 30. So these kids started coming out for football and trying it, and, you know, they'd bring out a few more friends, and it really helped them acclimate to Canadian culture and make friends in the building and just become really part of the fabric of Grand Park High School. So how many would you say are now going to be on the team this year, Doug? Uh, right now we have eight, but I would say that the numbers always rise in the fall. Um, it's still summer for a lot of kids, so kids are still coming off holidays, but right now having eight of them play is awesome. And, um, you know, you can see them really improving too and their confidence growing in the area and they go back and they, uh, talk to their friends about it and they, um, bring those guys out as well. Um, this has been happening at Grand Park High School for 10 years now. When we first had the Yazidi kids come over from Iraq um, and they were placed at Grand Park High School, we invited quite a few of them to come out and play football and they've gone through our program and gone out and graduated and now their little brothers are coming through and they're starting to play football. And uh, we're hoping to do the same thing here with the um, refugees from Ukraine. 
We've got to let you run, Doug, but just the 30 seconds on the value of football away from the field. You've touched on the idea that this is a great way to make connections, maybe even lifelong friendships. And and for me, that was the value of the game as much as I love playing it. Oh, absolutely. And reducing the barriers for kids to be part of football is important here because football teaches work ethic, discipline, and teamwork, things that don't always uh, translate into a classroom. So, I mean, these are skills that kids are going to have for life. And uh, I was just looking at a couple of jobs here, but big companies nowadays want kids to play varsity sports. And um, being around 20 role models, like on the coaching staff at Grant Park, it just shows kids that, you know, you can achieve things and what good values you need to have. And obviously the character and work ethic and discipline are going to translate to later in life. Doug Kovacs, head coach, Grand Park High. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. Have a good day. It is 7.15 with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. we got to take a peek at traffic and weather. It is humid out. We'll see if that's going to lead to potentially some rain later today. Details next on CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, what is something... That you can't believe how exciting you found it. We were talking earlier about spelling bees. I don't know if you've ever watched the scripts spelling bee, but it's electrifying. What does Shannon have to say, Greg? Not a big tennis fan, but boy, have you ever tried pickleball? Question mark. It is the newest game that everyone is playing, young and old. The tennis courts that have been empty for years are now full with people playing pickleball. If you haven't tried it, you should get out there and play one game. You will be addicted. Still haven't tried the pickleball. Have you tried pickleball, Loren? Or the kids? No. no. Uh, not that I'm aware. I mean, they might have done it at school, I suppose. But no, it's but in uh, my community, they have it regularly at the... At the um, gym and so i've been meaning to give it a try i don't know what's stopping me i I definitely know why i don't do tennis because it's so much running (laughs) and chasing after the ball there's some chasing there's some running but just not as much (laughs) tennis is hard too tennis Tennis is is, very hard it's like golf it's it's uh, you, you you might have the physical ability but if there's a even a nanosecond of mental breakdown then your game is screwed so nailed it we are going to actually talk to a sports psychologist later this week on friday as we are at the manitoba open on friday about what do you do if you're playing in your sportsings and you have a case of the yips It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up at 9.05. We'll talk about the Manitoba Open. 680 CJOB will be broadcasting live from the Southwood Golf and Country Club all day tomorrow as this premiere event begins. And then a bit later on at 9.35, we want to tell you about something that's happening in Chalmers on Friday night. Something really cool, the Elmwood Night Market. So details on that at 9.35. But... We talked earlier this morning about anger, so let's continue that discussion. And in case you missed it earlier this morning, I pointed out that I've had many nicknames over the years. One of them that remains is Smash Brett Smash, because I have, at times, a fiery temper. I've managed to 
sort of keep it at bay as I've gotten a bit older, a bit calmer. But in my younger days, I could be a raging lunatic. And for example, Loren, and I'm going to admit this out loud in spite of the embarrassing Dubious distinction that I have the record at the Laker Classic, which I didn't attend this year, the 25th annual uh, boys golf weekend. But uh, I have the the worst score ever. I shot a 178 at Sandy Hook because it was like the second only the second time I'd ever played. So, hey, I wasn't good, but the score is so bad because I could not contain my rage. And uh, I good just on went, you for counting all the strokes. Yeah. Holy at some point I'm you sure just, I missed some. You, Oh, you, at some point, you just got to say, I'm done, I think, eh, Greg? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're admitting our faults because uh, we want to talk about anger this morning. And I don't, I can't speak for all redheads, but I will say the stereotype for me of redhead and a temper rings true. And it's something I have to work on constantly. And we've been hearing from a lot of you, our listeners, about bad behavior you're seeing out there. You know, earlier this year, the chief of police commented about road rage and the fact that he felt it might be because there's just more anger or frustration out there. And there were even headlines this summer, one in the Wall Street Journal, about a rise in frustration in the workplace. And so we thought, you know, are we really seeing more? What's going on? And we are going to turn to the experts to ask. Mark Westman is a senior associate counselor at Riverbend Counseling. And for the past 12 years, Mark has also been facilitating anger management sessions for, you know, individuals, groups and couples. We say good morning to Mark. How's it going? Good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time because, you know, it's one thing to anecdotally see what's, you know, question what's going on. And, and another to turn to someone like you and, and ask, are you seeing more or getting more calls from clients saying, look, I need some help with my anger? Yeah, I would say that uh, that anger levels pretty much remain the same. Uh, there seems like there's a lot more anger lately uh, because I think stressors are increasing. But we definitely are getting more people uh, seeking help, um, including more people uh, coming to us from the court system, more more families and individuals, and definitely uh, more employers telling us, hey, can you help us um, with this one employee? We don't want to lose him, but uh, he needs some help. So, I mean, Mark, does this indicate that there's more anger societally uh, in our interpersonal relationships? Or is there just more awareness with regard to, you know, ability to deal with this, like, you know, coming to see a counselor like yourself? Yeah, I think I think there's maybe a little bit more anger. I mean, we come we've come out of the pandemic and a lot of people are, you know, they're kind of recovering from that. And there's. There's a lot of wounds and damage from from everything that's happened there. Um, and then I suppose there's a fair amount of, um, I guess, less stigma now. Uh, people are looking at anger as maybe a problem that can be solved and not not just a character quality that, that means, okay, I have to get out of this relationship or I have to fire this person. Curious to know if courts are turning to you because often anger management is something that is prescribed by a court or perhaps uh, even an employer. You mentioned uh, that you've, you've heard some from some employers, but what, are you hearing anything from the courts? Yeah, the courts have always uh, sent people to, you know, to, to anger management, but it's becoming much more common. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost, we get a lot of people who are like, I know that I'm going to be, asked to do anger management so i know i have an issue so i'm just going to get started on it now so 
Yeah, I would say that it's increased quite a bit over the last the last two or three years. How do you know when it's time to put up your hand for help, Mark? Like, how does one say, you know what, I think this is not just, this is an unhealthy level of anger? Yeah, most of the time people can, <laughs> it's not that they don't know, it's that they're just kind of scared to do something about it. So usually people tell you, um, or you can tell that, you know, there's oh, there's a lot of people walking on eggshells around me. You can see sometimes the damage of, of angry outbursts, um, but it really comes down to uh, just kind of being self-aware and, and taking the courageous step to say, you know what, uh, this is just a challenge and I want to deal with it. Mark, do people with anger issues typically mask those things very well? Say, you know, their anger is more apparent within the four walls of their home or within the context of their work and elsewhere. You would never imagine that people are dealing with this. Or does this manifest itself more regularly out in public? Is is this something that, that's easily hidden or not? Uh, I think it depends on your personality. If you're more aggressive, it's pretty hard to hide it. It just sort of leaks out so much of the time. Uh, but if you're more passive, you hold it in, and, and that's where you might take it home, and it, it just comes out there in the, the safe confines of your house. Our guest is Mark Westman, Senior Associate Counselor at Riverbend Counseling. We're talking about anger and anger management. And I'm curious, Mark, uh, uh, how much do situations potentially contribute and i'll give an example uh over 10 years ago i was in a relationship with somebody and we loved each other but we also fought relentlessly we were just constantly arguing and screaming at each other and at one point she said to me you need anger management and then when that relationship ended it just kind of hit me one day how calm i was and i thought to myself turns out the anger management prescription i needed was to not be in that relationship Yeah, sometimes that uh, that does happen. Certain people, um, they they touch those buttons for us, and it makes it way harder to to manage. And so, it's not necessarily that her advice was terrible advice, but it maybe wasn't the only solution. And sometimes, yeah, getting out of a certain relationship or or getting out of a certain um, employment situation, um, yeah, because certain situations put they, they tax us extra much, and sometimes we just we need to, to take a step back, and, uh, and that's the best thing we can do for our anger. One of our listeners just emailed me now to say that he thinks anger is a form of depression. Is there any truth to that? You know, is, is there the idea that the anger is an expression of, of, of maybe hurt you're feeling? Yeah, we always say that anger is always trying to just tell you something, right? You have some kind of blocked goal, whether it's emotional or uh, relational or just anything in your life. And so you can't be angry unless you have some kind of blocked goal. And and sometimes we get really depressed because we have some major blocked goals, things that we've really wanted. And so, yeah, sometimes it's easier to feel anger uh, than it is to feel depression. And so one of the, the great things about taking anger management is you get to learn what's underneath the anger. And then once you do, you can deal with it. So what's the what's the way a lot of your the, the people that you work with a lot of your clients deal with it Mark is it one on one counseling sessions group sessions uh, give us a, sort of the Coles notes ver- version of what anger management looks like Yeah for most people uh they'll choose to say you know what I kind of want to do the 
the, the full meal deal of anger management. And so they'll come in for, for six one-hour sessions. And when they do that, we, we take them through uh, how to, uh, you know, how to become aware of anger and then all the different interventions that help with it. Um, and so most people do it individually, but we also offer it in group sessions and even in couples, couples sessions too. So uh, there's lots of different ways to take it. And sometimes people will come in and they'll be like, I need a lot more than this. And so the anger management leads into other areas. Um, but sometimes people come in just for a one or two sessions and say, just teach me the strategies. And, uh, and so everyone kind of knows the basic strategies on how to deal with anger. It's just how to use those strategies well. And that's, that's the pro tips that we, we try to, to give to people. Before we let you go, oh, go ahead, Loren. Well, I just wanted to jump in for a second, Brett, because I'm thinking, you know, it's something you often talk to. You know, I have two kids. Greg has two kids. And you talk to your kids about, you know, take a deep breath. Maybe take a time out. Go to your room and just think for a second. And you're telling kids to do that because they're kids. And then you realize as an adult that you're struggling to do the same thing. So are some of those simple steps the same thing, like counting to 10, maybe putting myself on the timeout step, you know, like just to calm myself down? Yeah, I would say those are, you know, they're good basic strategies, and that's why we teach them to our kids. Um, but on the other hand, for adults, uh, we get into some of the nuances, like how do you how do you turn a simple time out and and kind of superpower it and and give it lots of extra strength and and ability. And so, um, but yeah, but as parents, our instincts are usually in the right place. Mark Westman, Senior Associate Counselor at Riverbend Counseling. Thank you very much for joining us to discuss this. We appreciate it, sir. You're welcome. Have a great day. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up in our next half hour. I want to tell you about an exciting event happening in Chalmers. It's an, the Elmwood Night Market, and it's not just a market, but it's an opportunity to bring the neighborhood together, to bring a feeling, a sense of community, safety, and accessibility, because there are markets like this all over the place, but some of them you got to pay to get in. Some of them are far away, so this one's looking to give the neighborhood a nice Fun night, and they, they had one already this uh, earlier this summer in early July. Uh, so this one will actually be a genuine night market. They'll get to enjoy some uh, some sundown. Yes, because as as we know, sometimes the sun doesn't completely go down till after 10 o'clock in yeah. these parts in the summertime. So yeah, so that will be neat. That's sort of uh, just down the road from where I live, so I might have to check that out. Oh, cool. All yeah. right, so full details at 9.35. But tomorrow... And Friday, the start will be, and in fact, tomorrow we'll be there all day on 680 CJOB, but the start will be there on Friday as well. We're going to be live from Southwood Golf and Country Club for the Manitoba Open. None of us will be participating in the event, although we got to find a way to weasel our way into the the Pro-Am. Oh, is that a thing? I think so. Oh. I'm pretty sure it is. Th- right. th- we wouldn't be welcome back after that, though. No, no. We just need one crack at it to <laughs> just to, to def- de- define the fact that we never need to come back <laughs> and that they wouldn't want us back. <laughs> also there will be Winnipeg Jets forward, Morgan Barron. He will be competing thanks to a sponsor's exemption. Barron, a left-handed shot. will pick it up. Swings toward the near side. Gets his head up. Back in toward the middle. Moves in. Shoots. Score! There's one he won't forget. Three nothing Winnipeg. Ah, oh, I'm getting excited for hockey season now. Now you may have heard the notion that athletes want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be athletes. When it comes to hockey players, many of them are also extremely good golfers. Case in point, 
the late, great Dale Howarchuk wrote an article for the Hockey News back in August 11th of 2011 about his time in Winnipeg. And Howarchuk says, I used to golf competitively in Manitoba. And I remember one time I was tied for the lead after two rounds of the Manitoba Amateur. We got to the third round and at the first tee, there must have been a thousand people horseshoed around us. And I thought, oh my God, I can't hit this ball here. I don't even know how I got through the first two holes because I was just hitting into a crowd everywhere. The two guys I was playing with were former champs. And I remember we're walking down the third fairway and both these guys come over to me and say, man, I could use a beer right now. They were so nervous. The place was all of a sudden packed that day because it was in the paper. And I'm also going to add probably on CJOB that I was tied for the lead after two rounds, Loren. Yeah, so that was Dale Howardchuck's experience, and that shows that there's a history of Winnipeg Jets players drawing fans to the golf course. And, of course, in years past, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley have been invited to be part of the first two rounds of Manitoba's premier golf event. And last year, Shifley shot an 18 over 162 through 36 holes in his second appearance. And so far, that's the best total ever carded by a Jet at the event. So CJOB Sports Director Kelly Moore had a chance to speak with Barron following a practice round out at Southwood. Honestly, I wasn't too nervous leading up to it. and Yesterday I was a little shaky, but not quite as bad as I expected. So, um, I don't know, we'll see when there's a gallery and people have to worry about not hitting, but so far it's been pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, you've got a couple of teammates who've gone through the experience before, and Mark and Kyle, and uh, I'm sure maybe they've tried to help you, and in other ways maybe they don't want you to beat their scores. Nah, no, I think they all just want me to do well, to be honest with you. I know it's uh, it's obviously we're competitors, but um, obviously two really good friends, so um, they've done everything they can to help me. I don't know really how much they can do from a distance, but uh, like I said a few minutes ago, just like playing to enjoy it and having fun. I know um, you know, getting stressed out out there is not going to help my game at all, so... It was kind of interesting, Mark, was 29 over the first time he played and then 18 over, that's the, the, the score to beat. Now, do you treat this like match play or <laughs> or, or do you just play uh, uh, to your abilities? I'll see how the first day goes and then if I'm around that, uh, I guess, nine over after the first day maybe, then I can start dialing in on that number. But um, no, for, for the first few holes at least and maybe the first day, I just want to go out and hit the ball, get it off the tee and uh, go from there. So if Barron sounds like a cool customer, that really shouldn't come as a surprise. This was Morgan post game April 18th, following the Jets win in game one of the playoffs versus Vegas. You guys will remember this. 75 stitches to close a wound from a skate to now. Teammate Laurent Brassois came to his face. They did a great job stitching me up, and obviously it missed my eye. So um, I was glad it didn't get me in a really bad spot, but they did a great job fixing me up. The moment that it happened, uh, what went through your mind? Was <laughs> just trying to figure out if the puck went in, because <laughs> it's sitting pretty close. And then, uh, I don't know, obviously I kind of saw the skate coming. and Just an unlucky play, I think, a little bit unfortunate. But um, like I said, I think the first thought was that I could just see out of the eye, so that was the main thing. Yeah, and after that, his face bleeding profusely, and he's looking around to see if the puck had somehow managed to find its way into the net. Steely nerves and focus, Brett McGarry. And that's something I wish I had on the golf course. So tomorrow we are actually going to, uh, well, on Friday we're going to speak to a sports psychologist about something called the yips. What is? What are the yips? Why do we get them? Not just in golf, but any sport. When you know you can do something, but you just can't bring yourself 
to do it, to, to trust in your ability. And uh, it's a plague for a lot of people in sports. So we'll learn about that on 935. Last word, by the way, to Morgan Barron. Kelly asked him what he was predicting as a score. God, I'm almost hesitant to give you guys these numbers. Um, well, we, we won't hold you to it. <laughs> good. Anything around Mark scores would be a good day for me. Um, like I said, this is the only real competitive golf I've played, so I'm interested to see how that changes things for me. But, um, you know, a normal day on a normal golf course, um, mid-70s is good. Obviously, this course is going to be playing a little harder than what I'm used to, so I would imagine something around low 80s would be really good. But, like I said, don't, don't hold me to it. We'll see how it goes. That sounds decent. What is the what is the average for Southwood? Does anyone know? Uh, the average score? I'm not sure. I think they're par. The par, rather. Is, that's what uh, I... probably, it's probably 72. It's usually 71, 72. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to Google that when when he was talking there, but uh, this is the help I'm going to be tomorrow. What's your what's your stick there for? What's stick about? <laughs> Why is the grass so short and so Ooh. long elsewhere? What? How do you get it so green? It's what's so the deal? green. What's the deal with that? <laughs> that's a good, those are all I'd love to talk to somebody in the grounds crew uh, because especially uh, the, there are a lot of public courses that take great pride uh, but the the private courses they they add extra levels of diabolicalness to their <laughs> golf courses it's not just as simple as we're going to grow grass all over the place and in this spot we're going to grow it longer they use different kinds of grass and different sorts of rough that that's meant with to you. tangle your yeah like it's meant to gobble up the ball and make it almost impossible to get out well what? Brett, we're talking to the head golf superintendent tomorrow uh, just after 8 30 so we can ask if there's a touch of evil in their planning you know you want it to look good with a side of evil <laughs> how sign of evil how far does a lousy golfer hit the ball that's where we're going to put a sand, sand trap <laughs> exactly just for mackling and mcgarry it is mackling mcgarry and mcnab in a moment we're going to give away some tickets for the fall fair at red river exhibition park which is happening September 1st to the 4th. But we have a, a comment here from listener Lori. We were talking about video games last half hour and uh, the how this notion that it'll rot your brain, turn your brain into cauliflower. And we were wondering, well, I think there's quite a few positive things that can be taken away from video games as well. And Lori says, our eight-year-old grandson learned how to read playing computer games. Some positives for sure. And I learned how, to, that reminds me, I learned how to type on my dad's work laptop, which I think was about five inches thick when it was folded up. This thing was a beast and it had this small orange only screen. Uh, but there was a program called Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing. That's how I, that's how I started to learn how to type until we had typing in, in school. But I already had a leg up because Mavis Beacon taught me how to type. Mavis Beacon, this is like a worldwide thing. This is a computer. Yeah. Uh, okay, I can remember sitting at the old uh, at the old typewriter in, in my Grammy's office. A S D F semicolon L K J, and just and of course that was on a manual typewriter. You're six years old. Your fingers don't have the strength to hammer on those keys. I think it was just a way to keep us quiet <laughs> for about an hour at a time. 
Yeah, those t- oh yeah, those typewriters. I remember watching Underwood my mom. Underwood or I don't know what brand. Did you ever use one of those old typewriters, Lauren? I'm, oh, yeah. Uh, like, we had an actual, I think in grade nine. I shouldn't say, oh, yeah, so emphatically. I'm trying to remember now. There was typing class still. That was a thing. Yep. Not just computer class. And then, you know, it seemed like within a year, suddenly we were switching to computers. I'm trying to look up Mavis Beacon right now because. I think um, it was Mavis Beacon. Though, no, you're me. right. She taught the world to teep taught a generation to type. But who is the real Mavis Beacon? Because the model. <laughs> That was used on the software is uh, is not the person that was actually teaching me. Oh, 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 of Gary. course, of course I think, not. I I think I think that's home marketing. Qwerty, you remember the Q W E R T Y? Yeah, her creators named her Mavis Beacon. She was a world famous typing teacher, but that's just I think it's a fake. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, she wasn't real. The twist, she wasn't real. She was simply the image on the cover of Magus Beacon. That's Why are it. you ruining things for Brent? Sorry. You're well, ruiner. I just did. I'm just going to give up on typing then. I'm going I'm going to get a fountain pen. <laughs> Cam has something you can borrow. <laughs> no more typing. It's a, My whole typing career has been a lie. Anyway. Yeah, Mavis, Mavis is just a model. Mavis Come is on. a model. I'm going to send you this article. I'm sorry. I've never been more disappointed about something I didn't know anything about in my life. <laughs> but it was it was it was basically a game that taught me how to type and that ties back into David's text from earlier which is going to be our winner today because we're asking about things that you were shocked at how excited you were, how quickly you got sucked into something that you never would have thought possible. And Greg, I've put David's text here in our script, and it has to do with video games. My fun competitive game me and my friends got really into back in the day was Guitar Hero. I couldn't actually play a guitar to save my life, but that game made everyone feel like a rock star, whether you were slapping a bass or shredding the guitar. It was an awesome time battling each other and even sometimes making a drinking game out of it and the loser chugging a beer david congratulations thank you for that and thanks for the conversation that you triggered off of that you're going to the fall fair at red river exhibition park from september 1st which is happening september 1st to the 4th really excited to tell you about this because this organization reached out to us several Months ago, actually, in fact, to uh, set something up to discuss this. So we've been uh, pumped to tell you about something cool that's happening in Winnipeg's Chalmers neighborhood on Friday. Greg, it's the Elmwood Night Market. And here to tell us all about it is Louise Mangali, housing support worker with the Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation. Louise, good morning. Hi, good morning. So before we find out about what you've got on tap for Friday night, let's talk in general terms. What is the Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation? Yes, so Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation is a nonprofit organization um, located um, within Elmwood. And so we work with uh, residents, businesses, and organizations um, in the neighborhood um, to work on initiatives that will help benefit um, our community. So how did the night market come about? Um, So actually, it started last year as something that was um, uh, planned last minute. Um, It was... um, we were just, you know, in a staff meeting, and um, it was 
uh, brought up by some community members that they wanted to see a little bit more community events um, that we do annually. Uh, we did Happy Days on Henderson and Elmwood, Night, uh, uh, Elmwood Winter Fun Day, but they wanted to see a little bit more accessible. And so we noticed that some of the markets are located a little bit farther outside the, the neighborhood. And so we wanted to bring that, uh, bring that in uh, to make sure that it's accessible um, um, for all those that um, live nearby. Yeah, that's right, because some of these markets are really cool, but you got to pay to get yes. into them. Yes, so um, to attend the Elmwood Night Market, it's free to attend, so um, you're more than welcome to bring your friends and your neighbors, and it's, you know, it's accessible to all, so um, you can easily just walk, and there's some nearby uh, street parking that are available for, for you to, uh, to access. I drive through this part of the city twice a day at least, Louise, but there may be some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Chalmers neighborhood, where that is, and just uh, the the long list of successful businesses that, that make up this community and this neighborhood. Yes. So um, we are located at 180 Poplar Avenue, um, and uh, Johnston Avenue is is currently closed. And so to access us, you you can go through uh, Brazier Avenue, um, go through um, go through Watt Street, go through Henderson Highway. But Johnston Avenue will be closed. But there'll be 45 vendors and food trucks and some live entertainment that you can you can catch. Now, I didn't grow up in Winnipeg, and so I have made the grave mistake in the past of misidentifying neighborhoods. And so I'm curious, you're the Chalmers Neighborhood Association, but it's the Elmwood Night Market. Are they seen as two different neighborhoods or all encompassing? Like I wouldn't get yelled at if I used one or the other? Yes, yes. So although <laughs> although we're called Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation, we also serve um, the um, the Elmwood neighborhood. So Chalmers is actually in Elmwood, um, and um, the services that we provide for folks are either you know no cost to very low cost. Um, so one of the ways that we serve through them is um, we base it off of our five-year neighborhood renewal plan that focuses on um, serving the community, whether that be you know safety, um, events, um, housing, all kinds of things. And Elmwood Night Market is um, one of the ways that we get to serve our neighborhood is to provide more accessible, um, accessible um, events and uh, and programs for them. Our guest is Louise Mangali, housing support worker with the Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation, and we're talking about the Elmwood Night Market, the second one of this summer. Uh, it's happening this Friday, 180 Poplar, Poplar Avenue from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., and that first market, I believe, was July 7th. And how did the neighborhood uh, react and come out? Well, you know, we, uh, despite of the construction um, in the surrounding area, we had at least um, uh, approximately 2,000 uh, people that, that came out, um, not just from the neighborhood. Some came uh, to visit all the way um, you know, from the south and some from the other side of the city. And so, um, you know, we just appreciate the overwhelming support coming um, from not just our neighbors, but also our, our friends from outside the neighborhood. You're also looking for volunteers, are you, Louise? Yes, yes. So um, if you would like to volunteer, if you're interested, um, please give us a call at 204-669-0750, or you can also email operations at chalmersrenewal.org. Well, it sounds like an awesome event. Before we let you go, I'm just curious, you know, when you saw people come together last year, Louise, did you imagine this was going to start to be an annual thing? Or was it like, let's just see how this goes and then and then we'll go forward? Yes, absolutely. So this is definitely something that we're going to be doing um, once a year. Um, we know mm-hmm. that um, how, how much it matters to, to the folks in the neighborhood when, when they just come and see their, their old classmate, you know, um, that they went to school with um, uh, in the area. And so to promote these, to have these activities, um, just allows us to connect with um, our neighbors more. 
You're also connecting, you're collecting food donations for an emergency hamper, yeah? Yes, so um, under our, our, our um, uh, neighborhood renewal plan, we also would like to uh, make um, food more accessible to the neighborhood. And so we have uh, a, um, an emergency food pantry, um, and we're collecting um, any non-perishable food items the day of the event. And so you're more than welcome to, to bring any food item and just uh, bring a tin for the bin uh, to support um, the folks uh, in need. You're all, then once again, this is happening at 180 Poplar Avenue. I'm not super familiar with this neighborhood, but it, 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 does Poplar connect with Henderson? Like, can I just hang a right off of Henderson to get to it? Yes, yes. Uh, so um, off of uh, Henderson, if you're coming um, from downtown, you'll just turn right to McIntosh and you'll see it. We're at the field. Okay. Yeah. So Macintosh to Brazier and then the field is right there. Okay. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Louise. And and thank you because just to to bring our listeners behind the scenes, you were brought in last second. (laughs) You stepped into the breach and you did a wonderful job. So thank thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Louise Mangali is housing support worker with Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation. And once again, the Elmwood Night Market happening This Friday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., 180 Poplar Avenue. It's right off Henderson Highway between Henderson and Brazier, uh, so you should be able to find that. No sweat. In the meantime, uh, that's not too far from your neck of the woods, Mackling, but there's another facility that's not too far from your neck of the woods, and that's Rainbow Stage. Just across the Red River in beautiful Kildonan Park. Of course, Rainbow Stage last night had to cancel their performance of Little Mermaid. Disney's The Little Mermaid has been scheduled as a go today. In fact, they have two performances. I'm just uh, reading off of their Instagram page right now. Today's August 23rd performances of Disney's The Little Mermaid will go ahead as scheduled. Thank you for your patience and support. We can't wait to see you today under the dome. And, you know, I had asked, actually, I went to Shared Health yesterday in terms of what they might be seeing for illnesses out there as we head into the fall. Because when I heard Rainbow Stage had to cancel just last night, back on stage tonight, as far as we understand it, um, I was like, what's going on out there? And there's nothing outstanding that's happening. But I do know a number of people who've had their kids sick or they're not feeling that well, just with little flu bugs and whatnot. So let us know, 780-6868, if you had maybe a touch of flu or other hit your home. Uh, this week because it certainly went through mine last week and I know others did too. Let us know, 204-780-6868. Don't want to think about, it's still August, I don't want to think about respiratory flu season, (laughs) but it's coming, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I murdered your Mavis Beacon ideals and now I'm just bringing in. (laughs) No, but it's, you know, that's, there's the part of me that, is genuinely looking forward to fall, and I'm already seeing it on Instagram. People are posting beautiful pictures of like magical autumn scenes from the parts of the world where like you get the red leaves, like predominantly mm-hmm. red leaves, and like people are getting excited about it. And I know the pumpkin spice barrage is coming. Yeah, it is, and and uh, pumpkin spice, I'm fine with it. I don't drink the lattes, but the ice cream. Hello, sign me up for that, Sergeant Sunday. Please and thank you. Yep. But I've noticed that you know, was on a golf course twice last week, and cut my lawn on Saturday. There are some some leaves on the ground. I know. Yeah, and I know there's some speculation. When somebody on the, the air yesterday said maybe because of the smoke, it's tricking the trees. Where I think we're working on that today, aren't we, Loren? To find out if that's actually the case, are we headed for what feels like an early fall, at least in terms of the way the trees are acting? 
Yeah, well, smoke can certainly harm trees, I know, if there's enough, like, ash in the air. And I don't know if I feel like we've seen any ash, per se, but I have wondered. I have two, I have several plants in the backyard and trees, and they're all fine except for one in the back and one in the front look identical, like as if it's something touched it. And by that, I mean, like a chemical or other. And then someone referenced smoke this morning, so we're trying to find out if that's actually a thing. Because smoke can cause us to breathe differently right it can create difficulty in breathing and you would think that plants as they breathe would be the same thing that's oh man that's i'm really fascinated by this whole what it what is the smoke doing because we were talking i can't remember if it was last week or the week before or whatever but uh, i was just asking like it feels like it's greener this year and a couple of our listeners suggested it might be the smoke creating like a greenhouse gas some sort of greenhouse mm. effect. Uh, mm. Listeners saying that the plants in their backyard haven't been this big since the last time we had a smoky summer. Okay, that's a new one too. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, the plant life seems super lush. and it's as green, are, Honestly, it's as green as I've seen it in years. My like grass that. certainly is and my flowers are doing particularly well. But the trees, maybe not. Oh. Well, then apparently I live on an island because <laughs> my green... <laughs> You do have a dog. You'll forgive us if we don't use you as the benchmark for for gardening, for gardening. And, and vegetation. It, my green thumb hasn't impressed you over the years? Not so far, Loren. I think oh, we're going on six. There are so many times someone will say, what do you plant for flowers? And I'm like, ah, the purple ones? <laughs> like I, I talk about flowers the way I talk about wine. I just name the color. And that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge.